Oh, fuck, mate. I'm just a fucking wreck, man. I know I've lost it. Doesn't matter. I'm starting well, Dave, aren't I? <laughs> lost the train, I thought, twice, yeah. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, as you know, I'm, uh, I've, I've been in the wars but just happy to be talking to you, happy to be talking to our followers and happy to be talking about Rangers and Happy New Year mate. Happy New Year, yes. Happy New Year to all of our listeners as well. Thanks for joining in for another year of this dodge that we call the iReady podcast. <laughs> yep, and Derek, best way to start the new year I'm going to keep trying it. Surely it's got to happen one day, but here we go. There we go. That's a can of Pepsi Max being opened on the show. Surely they've got to take notices at some point, Derek. Surely. Well, you never know. It might happen. They have liked one of your tweets before about getting exactly. a sponsorship, but nothing's forthcoming. So. I think I need to be more forceful, I think, Derek. Fucking geese a sponsorship. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll start drinking Dr Pepper. Yes, so as ever, it's been a while since we last got the podcast out, a bit of illness. New children being born, Derek. Yes, new children being born. It's just, life gets in the way sometimes, but... We're here anyway. We've got five games to cover. Again, we'll briefly cover them. We won't go into too much depth. We'll maybe go into a wee bit more depth of the Celtic game. That was the last game we played there, but we'll see where we, we get to. Exactly. So, without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the park. So before any of the games, we did have that wee mid-season friendly. It was on Saturday the 10th of December. It was at Ibrox against Leverkusen where we won 3-0. Now, I had my works Christmas night out that night, so i never seen it. Just happened to be Michael Beale's first game. Of note, there was a new addition to the dressing room. It wasn't a player. However, it was a new picture of King Charles above the captain's seat. And also we've kept the picture of the Queen above the door. So a lovely touch all round from the club. Excellent, Derek. Keep up with tradition. Keep my hold of the, the picture of the Queen. I was really pleased to see that. And as I say, moving on with modern times with our new king up on the wall. So, yeah, really pleased to see that. Yes. Did you see any of the game, Dave, at all? Yes, I did, Derek. It was your typical, even although it was mid-season friendly, Rangers actually looked really quite impressive in certain parts, Derek. But I have to say the opposition were treating this very much like a training match. My son was there, he got tickets to go and watch it and that was his thoughts exactly. He says there were certain times during the game that Rangers looked like world beaters but he knew that the opposition really weren't giving all, all of that. So 3-0 victory was probably about the right result but again Derek, we really don't take these games too seriously. It was interesting I think for the fact as you said it was Beale's first game in charge. I think that was what got more interest in anything else wasn't it yeah pretty much However, onto the Premiership proper now because the first game we've got to cover is Thursday the 15th of December. It was a 3-2 win at home against Hibs in the Premiership. Really a game of two halves, Steve. 
Certainly was, Derek. It didn't start off the way that we wanted, did it? No, definitely not. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Lundstrom, Jack, Kent, Kamara, Sands, Morelos, Sakala, Devine and Tillman. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Davis, Matondo, Wright, Davies, McCann, Arfield, Fraser and Lowry. So obviously the big talking point was Devine starting and that was because Barisic was still on duty with uh, Croatia. That's right, Derek. It was a good time for him to step in and, and shine. And, you know, from the, the, the few games that we saw, we certainly didn't let him or us down, did he? No, not at all. Really, though, the first half, same old, same old. We had four weeks off, three weeks with the new manager, and we learned absolutely nothing going by that first half. We started off decent and then quickly lapsed into the same mistakes and poor play that we've normally seen. In the seventh minute, McGregor had a save to tip it just over the bar after the attacker wasn't closed down and had a shot. And on right on the seventh minute, from that corner as well, Ryan Porteous unfortunately scored. There's a corner in from the right to the back post, nobody attacking the ball apart from Porteous and a free header into the back of the net. Same old, same old Dave. It certainly was Derek and it's again, just simple man marking that they done us there, wasn't it? He was allowed freedom to get onto the ball, you know, a really easy, easy header for him and you know in all the weeks where out of any player that plays in Scottish football he's the one player that we've been linked with that week Derek for him to score into us, you know, it was quite it was quite mental the way that it happened. He wasn't even getting played as a centre defender against us. He was getting played in midfield, but just sheer lack of marking, lack of concentration. And as you say, it looked as if we hadn't learned a thing, did it? No, not at all. However, we didn't need to wait long because in the 15th minute, Sakala made it one each. The ball was floated from the right wing to the middle. It was initially cleared, but only to Tillman, who squared it to Kent, who squared it to Sakala on the left, who controlled it and blasted it past two defenders and the keeper into the back of net. Great from Tillman, uh, initially good play to actually get the ball and then square it. Again, Kent squaring it as well, and really good composure for Sakala. Certainly was. I, I, I like that type of goal, Derek, where you just sort of keep it low. It was a poker straight shot. You know, it would attain an absolutely sensational save for that not to go in. So a great finish by him. And we thought then that that was us. You know, we, it had been a blip right at the start of the game. We would go on and win quite comfortably after that, you know, as it was getting the goal quickly back, you know, being able to equalise. Yep, but 40 seconds later, 40 <laughs> seconds, what the actual fuck? Hibbs made it 2-1. We're still seeing replays of our goal. The game kicked off straight from kickoff. It was a long ball down the left. Tavernier tried to clear it with a half-hearted effort right to the Hibs player. A quick ball through the middle to the two centre-backs. It was a great, great pass, mind you. Untested centre-back pairing as well. Quick ball through, and then it was a shot into the back of the net. Just scandalous all round. And really, you can forgive you know, a long ball being played forward straight, but the clearance by Tavernier was criminal. It was. It did take a deflection at first it looked like it was a sensational shot Derek and to be fair it was Kevin Nisbet that scored it he did only have one thing on his mind and that was get, getting it on target he hit a good shot it did take, take a slight deflection I think that made it look more sensational you know than, than what it actually should have been but again just caught napping Derek and again lapse in concentration is absolutely incredible and it's what's annoying is it's these stupid mistakes and we're making simple mistakes and we're getting punished for it yep Hibbs had about another two or three chances after that which forced McGregor into a good save whereas when we had a couple of chances it was really easy for their keeper I've said it time and time again even into last season as well is when we have shots it seems to be that the keeper is the target rather than putting it either side of them 
never making their keeper work, whereas the complete opposite is the case when it comes to chances for opposition team. It's poor from our team and our, our overall play, I would have said, in the last couple of seasons, but that's one thing that needs to be worked on. Definitely. So into the second half, a much improved second half. Took around 10 minutes to actually get going, mind you, but when we did, we pinned Hibs into their half pretty much from the 54th minute onwards and then maybe barred two minutes at the end. No changes at half time. We did start slow, pretty much how we finished the first half. We got a chance on the 54th minute when there was a cross into the Hibs box from the left from Devine. Sakala with a header right to the keeper from close range. However, we did equalise four minutes later on the 58th minute with Ryan Jack scoring. It was a corner in from the right. Tillman flicked the header backwards and Jack knocks it in from two yards. Just a great wee flick from Tillman and instinct from Jack to knock it in. Brilliant. Yep, right on the line, Derek. Right place at the right time and managed to get the, the goal when we needed it and bring us back into the match. Yep. And we didn't need to wait much longer either because four minutes later on the 62nd minute, Morelos made it 3-2. A fantastic goal. Down the right, a stunning pass from Tavernier to Tillman in the box. Tillman cuts it back, loses his balance, but still manages to pass it to Morelos who had a tap-in from four yards. That's more like the play we know that the team can do. From t- t- Tillman was outstanding in that, Derek. The, the, the close control that he had, and as you say, the fact he completely lost his balance, but while he was losing balance, he was still able to pass the ball to Morelos, who, you know, slotted in the, the back of the net, you know. And we did deserve the lead at that point, Derek, because we had, as you say, we had sort of right back defending for, for, for their lives at that stage. So great that we actually managed to get the third goal. Yep, absolutely. Substitutions after that, Sakala came off and Davis on. A couple of other shots and chances for either team. There are more substitutions on the 87th minute. Tillman, Devine and Kamara off. Wright, Davies and Arfield on. Morelis off and Matondo on in the 82nd minute. And that's really how the game ended up. So, really good second half performance. Hibs never really threatened at all in that second half. Why can't we get 90 minutes out of the team? I know, I was putting it down, Derek, to manager's first game in charge. We'll let them off with that. You know, they might be a wee bit rusty coming back from the break and new uh, formations and new gameplay and stuff like that. So I was willing to give them a pass for that. I was just looking for a victory, which we got. But just the worrying signs, as you say before, that didn't seem as if we'd learnt anything defensively from the way we'd been playing before. But I will take it. It's a good, good three points, Derek, and good for the manager to get a win, you know, in his first game uh, as Rangers manager. Yes. So, next game is Tuesday the 20th of December. Again, it was a 3-2 win, this time away at Aberdeen in the Premiership. Uh, mental, Dave, wasn't it? Derek, I have been racking my brains and looking online and trying to remember if we've ever finished a game like that before, you're going to get into it, we'll speak about it at the end, but as you say, quite an astonishing game really, I've watched it back loads and loads of times because I didn't actually quite believe it the first time, <laughs> so I've been watching it back a few times, I even watched it back again today just to, you know, re- remember parts of the game, but absolutely crazy stuff. Yeah. So we lined up with one change from the Hibs game. That was Goldson back in from injury. Lundstrom dropped to the bench for that one there. So the first half, a decent first half. The game was fairly open, but surprise, surprise, Aberdeen were better than they were at the weekend against Celtic. Now, they played Celtic. They only lost 1-0, I think it was, but they never had any shots 
Nope. At Celtic nope. goal whatsoever. Not on target, just no shots at all. It was typical what you would say an Aberdeen performance would be against Celtic. I think it only taken about two minutes for them to get shot off away on goal and look more positive against us. Typical, eh, Dave? It wasn't even two minutes, I think, Derek. Derek, I do not, as a rule, watch any of Celtic's matches, really, unless they're playing against us. But I thought because in the way that we were all thinking and exactly what you said there for their performance, usually Aberdeen's performance, I should say, against Celtic, I just wanted to, to witness it for myself just so that it wouldn't be that old sort of cliche of they only seem to try against us. And it was it was absolutely incredible. I, I watched the whole game, Celtic pinned them back. And it was just a constant, it was like a training game for Celtic. It was like an, a, a, an attacker's training game that whole match. Aberdeen were a complete disgrace. They did absolutely nothing going forward, like you say, and I mean nothing, and deserved all they got against Celtic. And I just knew exactly like what you said, it would be completely different. It would be a completely different mindset against us, as it always is. And it wasn't even two minutes until they had the first sort of real chance against us. It's it's quite incredible, Derek. I mean, they've the, always been the, the thing that Aberdeen raised their game for us. But you and Cameron on his new podcast, the main MC of that, gave out stats that I think there's been something like, bar these two games here, there's been something like 26, 27 games that Aberdeen have played against us and 26 or seven games have played against Celtic since uh-huh. Rangers came back to the Premiership. And right. it's something Celtic have lost only one game against Aberdeen where I think we've lost four or five and the only game that Celtic lost was that it was an end of the season game when Celtic had already won the league yep. and Aberdeen needed to win to get second place ahead yes, of us exactly. which, yes. which yep. we all remember the conspiracy theory there yep. so I just and I think that say, Aberdeen have scored a hell of a lot more goals against us than they, they did against Celtic so yep. the stats are there there is no doubt about it now that they raised their game for us anyway back into this game Devine and Kent were looking lively dare I say it more like the Kent we know Sakala decent to a point Morelos was completely anonymous we went through a 20 minute spell where our players were just slipping all over the place Aberdeen players weren't doing that though however we did get the goal on the 12th minute and it was Sakala that scored to make it 1-0 the ball on the right with Tavernier cuts it to Jack who feeds it to Morelos in the box who passed to Sakala in the box the ball flicks up he tries to shoot but it was blocked deflected right back into the path of Sakala he shoots it again this time into the net the VAR check afterwards because there was a suggestion that the ball flicked up and hit Sakala's hand, but on replay, not a chance and ghosted. Certainly did, Derek. It was slightly good fortune for Sakala. He had the initial shot. It pinged back right to his foot and he managed to to poke it in. I think uh, I remember seeing a tweet saying that is the most Sakala esque goal that I have ever seen because it was it was untidy it was all over the place but it still managed to go in Derek so always delighted to get a goal at Petodre delighted for him because he seems just absolutely a, a lovely guy we, we you know we, we all love him he gives a hundred percent and it's just great to see him getting a goal there two and two games on under Beal so delighted he's obviously flying for, for the season and no great to get the opening goal against him Yep, absolutely. After that, we had a chance with Morelis and some good link-up play with Tillman. There was a VAR check because the ball allegedly hit the, off the arm of Tavernier, not a chance. 
Uh, 23rd minute, Aberdeen had a chance where it was pretty much an open goal. Had they hit it on target, it was arguably going to be in. Sakala had another chance just after that. And then really out of nothing on the 45th minute, Aberdeen equalised. It was a free kick from 20 yards on the right-hand side, over the wall, into the top corner. McGregor was in the right place to get it, but an absolutely terrible attempt to, to go for the ball. And it all started from a needless challenge from Sands to give the free kick away in the first place. Well, Derek, I'm a bit, and I'm, I'm quite surprised there wasn't more made of this. I've, I've watched it back a few times. The ball shouldn't have even been up there because Aberdeen won the ball back in midfield. And when I say when they won the ball back in midfield, it was a clear foul for me on Sakala. He had the ball on the halfway line. He was facing his own goal. He was trying to shield the ball. The Aberdeen midfielder came in, put his knee into the back of Sakala's knee. So what happens when that happens, Derek? Your, your knee collapses. It was quite clear to me. You know, lost control of the ball. There was a foul straight away for me. The referee didn't give it. Aberdeen were allowed to get the ball play on. That's what led to the Sands foul. Now, it was a, a clumsy foul by Sands, like you said there, Derek. But for me, that should have been a free kick to Rangers on the halfway line, which, you know, w- wouldn't have led to any Aberdeen goal. But that's not what happened. So they, they got the goal, as you say, I think, again, really sloppy, needless to give the free kick away in the first place by Sands, who I think looked a bit ropey all game and really disappointing to be going in 1-1 at half-time, Derek. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, probably should have been a foul on Sakala, but we've got to play to the whistle and it's just Sands once again just doing the wrong, wrong option. But anyway... Into the second half, and it was just so, so lacklustre in that second yep. half. All Aberdeen for the first seven minutes, they started fast, and we were really, really slow, and they got their goal from that on the 53rd minute. Sands with another sloppy clearance on the edge of the box, right to the Aberdeen player who controls it on the bounce, and a half volley into the bottom corner. It was great execution, but absolutely shocking defending, and once again, Sands just absolutely dire. Yep, completely. Aberdeen came out the traps quickly there and, you know, as you say, it was a good goal but, again, lacklustre play, lacklustre defending and we find ourselves 2-1 down, Derek. Yep. Just after that, on the 56th minute, we had a cross into the Aberdeen box and McCrory handles it twice. No VAR check, no. What is the point? Yep. I can understand the first handball, it kind of played off our player into his path and it kind of hit his arm, but then the ball flicked up and then he moved his arm and the ball hit his hand to basically palm the ball away. So certainly the first one, I can understand why it wasn't given, but the second one, that should have been a stonewall penalty for me. Yep, yep, definitely. Just after that, 58th minute, Sakala, Jack, Sands and Kamara off. Lundstrom, Wright, Arfield and Davies on. When have you ever seen four substitutions from us before? I know, Derek. This was a, an incredible game. As I say, I think from this point on is where things started to get really, really crazy. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you get on with it. Yeah, and then we started to take a wee bit more incentive from that. It was the kind of Arfield that, that was the instrument of, of the whole thing, really. He had a shot in the box, forcing a good save from the keeper in the 76th minute. 88th minute, Lundstrom with a shot from distance right at the keeper. And then there ended up being seven minutes of injury time. Now, that was all because of the play acting from very exactly. early yep. on from, yep. uh, from Aberdeen. Their keeper inexplicably one time went down, dived for the ball, and he was down for about three or four minutes. Yeah. Because he, I don't know if he winded himself genuinely or it just seemed like a run-of-the-mill save he made. Yes. 
I don't understand it, but play acting from an early on, and by God did it cost him, because in the 95th minute, really out of nowhere, Arfield made it to each. Kent drove the ball forward on the left, cuts inside, hits a powerful shot from just outside the box. The keeper saves, good save, mind you, but he spills it right in the path of Arfield, and he shoots it in with the rebound. Brilliant at that point, but probably most, like most Rangers fans, we were kind of like, oh, it's two each, two drop points, big wow. Exactly, Derek. You know, great awareness again from our field. That's what he's great at, Derek. He's great at staying in the box. It's like having another striker in there. And, uh, you know, he, he, he scooped that one past. But as you say, 95th minute, that's a late equaliser. Of course, we'll take it. But, you know, inevitably, we are disappointed at a 2-2 draw at that point. Or so we think it's a 2-2 draw. Yes, because two minutes later, absolute bedlam because Arfield made it 3-2. Tillman holding up the ball on the left side of the box, crossed into the back post, a header by the defender, falls to Goldson, skiffs off his chest, falls to Arfield and he shoots it in. That impact sub, the predator, he should be playing up front when we don't have a recognised striker. He made it 3-2. Unbelievable, Dave. Derek, I've never seen anything like it. All the years I've been following Rangers, I... Honestly, I've, I've been racking my brains, like I said, to try and think. I know we've scored goals late in an injury time to equalise, or we've scored a goal late in extra time to win games, but never late in extra time to equalise and win a match. Absolutely incredible. The finish by Arfield, totally unorthodox. He hit the ball down into the ground and it bounced right up into the top corner of the goal. Quite incredible. The scenes after it, just totally mental. And Michael Beale stood there and he looked as if he was absolutely raging rather than seeing his team score the winner in injury time, Derek. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. No, I was too busy celebrating at that point. I mean, <laughs> Manchester United versus Bayern Munich has got nothing on that game right there. No, it's, it was absolutely mental. It's a game that we'll remember for years and years. Aberdeen fans were absolutely sick, which was hilarious as well. That that, that, that made it. But Scott Arfield, Derek, how many times have we said Scott Arfield coming on as a substitute is such a threat for us. It should be happening. Arfield should be on for the last half hour in nearly every single game that we play. Yep. You know what I mean? He's he's lethal coming on. There's, there's no other sub that I can remember that makes such an impact like what he does. And we'll get into the Celtic game as well, which is quite incredible that he never actually got on, but we will cover that later. But... It was it was fantastic. What a victory, Derek, and what a way you know to lift the players being down and out so late on to actually winning the game. Sensational. That's all I can say about it. Absolutely sensational. Yeah. I mean, Goodwin at the end of the game, he was down on the touchline and he just he sunk to his knees. He couldn't speak it then in the presser afterwards. And then the next day in the presser, he says, I'm in a lot of fucking pain. <laughs> and he says it's the worst <laughs> feeling ever as he, as a manager. Absolutely glorious. Brilliant. Yeah. Superb, Derek. But like I say, Michael Beale, I don't think, was happy with the, the overall performance. I don't think there would be many managers that could just stand as calm as what he did on the sidelines when we scored the third goal. It was uh, quite surreal seeing that, but, you know, absolutely brilliant for us, Derek. Yes, absolutely. 
So, leads into the next game, which was Friday the 23rd of December. It was a 1-0 win away against Ross County in the Premiership. We lined up with four changes from the Aberdeen game. McGregor was out with a bug and Morelos had been playing with a knock, so he dropped to the bench. So we lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Davies, Devine, Lundstrom, Kent, Kamara, Sakala, Arfield and Tillman. I might have said... More or less players there, I'm not too sure, because the Rangers' uh, website has been playing funny buggers lately with wrong information. On the subs bench were McCrory, Jack, Matondo, Sands, Morelis, Wright, McCann, King and Lowry. Now, really in the first half, not a great deal to say. Really pedestrian, uninventive, boring, yet we were a goal up. A decent amount of possession, as always, and as always, not doing anything with it. It was Ross County who had the best chance on the 20th minute when they had a cross from the right to the back post, a free header and a great save from McLaughlin with his leg. We did make it 1-0 on the 35th minute with Lundstrom scoring. We were knocking the ball about outside the box from the left to the centre, to the right again, cuts inside to the middle and Lundstrom hits a shot, a great shot into the bottom left corner. It was the first time in a number of games we've actually worked the ball into a good position yeah. and actually taken a shot and it paid dividend. Yep. Finally. Definitely, Derek. It was an excellent goal for Lundstrom, and exactly like what you're saying, we don't do that often enough. We should be trying shots every single match. You know, the slightest chance, even if the goalkeeper gets a hand to it, you never know if it's going to spill out or anything like that. But we don't try it often enough. This time we did. It paid off. It was a great goal for Lundstrom, and it gave us the breakthrough as well. Yes, so I suppose we've got to be happy going into halftime 1-0. Ross County never even really pressed us at all. Second half, more or less a carbon copy of the first half, but without the goal this time. Workman-like, but doing nothing to push the boat yeah. out. Again, a lot of possession, doing nothing with it. Ross County, again, were compact at the back, tried to push forward, but our defence stood up for it. In the 51st minute was probably Ross County's best chance with a shot from distance, comfortable dive and save from McLaughlin. 54th minute, great through ball from Lundstrom to Devine into the box, puts in a decent cross, Sakala sliding in, makes contact, but the, but the keeper makes a decent save. Sakala came off just after that in the 58th minute, Morelis came on. 67th minute, Arfield and Tillman off, Jack and Matondo on. 70th minute, there was a VAR check for a possible handball in the Ross County box. Nothing was given, which was the correct decision. If that was Celtic, they'd be claiming for it. It's a fucking oh, conspiracy. Yep. We'll get into that there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a few other chances from us uh, towards the end of the game. Morelos with a 1v1 with the keeper in the 94th minute, but the keeper done well to slide out and block it with his foot. So, you know, I suppose it was 23rd of December, a couple of days before Christmas. We're away at Ross County. An ugly win is what it was. We've seen it before in the nine-in-a-row era, in the, the advocate era, the second era of Walter Smith. Smith yeah. Sometimes you're just going to have to win ugly. That was maybe a case of that game there. Derek, we never ever go out and have a blowout win up in Dingwall. We always, always have a hard game when we play against Ross County. So I, I had a feeling that it was going to be a really, really tough one, a turgid game. It certainly was. Certainly weren't a lot of highlights to talk about, Derek. And as you say, the most important thing is we got the goal. Still wasn't very inspiring, no, Derek. I have been looking for the last three games to really have our team change and see something in, in the team that's, you know, a, a major change to give us some hope. Still looked pretty pedestrian a lot of the times that we were there. But again, we, we, we'll take the victory. We'll always take the victory. But... Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't a great performance, was it? No. So it just means we can 
finish that game now. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So it leads into the next game, Wednesday the 28th of December. It was a 3-0 win at home against Motherwell in the Premiership. Now, I have absolutely no notes for this because... Dave, you were on the injured list at this point, so well, never really right. got to it too much. Was, yep. I had a baby with reflux, so I couldn't. I, I kind of watched the game in parts, but I couldn't take any notes down. Yep, I, I was about the same as you, Derek. It was a difficult night for me personally, just with the things that had happened. So I only managed to see certain bit, bits of the game. But again, as you're going to get into your very brief summary of the match, uh, an excellent victory for us at home and what we have been looking for for. Yeah, Morelos got the opening goal on the 13th minute, Goldson on the 39th and Tillman on the 63rd. I thought it was a really good performance. Yes, there were some sloppy parts we were giving the ball away. I felt it was a very comfortable win. Motherwell done absolutely bugger all. Yep. They never really pushed the boat out at all. I mean, we had 66% possession, 19 shots, 10 on target. They had one on target. I mean, that kind of says it all. They had seven yeah. corners to our seven corners as well. But it was really all us, bar a couple of sloppy pieces of play. I know that there was a lot of fans that were really unhappy with the victory, but it was a 3-0 victory at home where they never really tried they never really tested us at all so what what can you be angry about in that performance I don't yeah know. that's I think what I, I was looking for Derek I was looking for a routine comfortable victory but more than you know two goals and that's exactly what we got I was happy with that it's the first time that I've really seen maybe a slight change in the way we're playing a slight change in in, in the tactics seemed to be a wee, wee bit more belief in this game as well with the players, uh, Ryan Kent playing more centrally rather than out in the wing also. So no, d- delighted with the victory again, Derek. More of what we're looking for as a team, and I think even the manager after the game said so himself, that he was a lot more happy with the performance that we had there. So again, it's uh, excellent going into you know the final game that we've got coming up. Yeah, I mean, it was 2-0 at half-time and then it wasn't as if we were waiting until like the 80th minute to score our third goal. It was wrapped up on the the 63rd minute. So, you know, quite happy with that overall. So... That goes into the the last and final game we've got to cover tonight, which is on Monday, the 2nd of January. It was a two-each draw at home against Celtic in the Premiership. Now, we made two changes from that Motherwell game. Jack and Lowry dropped. Jack was on the bench. Lowry had a slight knock and Kamara and Sakala came in. So we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, Lundstrom, Kamara, Tillman, Sakala, Kent, Morelis. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Jack, Cholak, Sands, Wright, Roof, Arfield, King and Devine. It was a very attacking-looking team that he put out, Derek. I wasn't sure at all how Michael Beale would approach this game. I thought possibly he would have three sitting midfielders in there with Jack Lundstrom and Kamara. That's how I thought that he would play it. But, you know, fair play to him. He went out with the two sort of more defensive midfielders and the one attacking midfielder with with Tillman in there. So, uh, you know, I was quite anxious when I saw the team. I thought it would be a very sort of open game with plenty of chances through, you know, for, for, for both teams, just the way that it was set out. Uh, but I'll let you get into it. Yeah, I mean, interesting as well that Divine had been dropped, which 
He's done nothing to deserve getting dropped, but I think the game of this magnitude, and I don't think he was quite ready for it, so it's, I think it was the right decision ultimately. But obviously we had the Loving Cup ceremony beforehand as well. The video that Rangers put out on, on social media on YouTube only showed the Rangers directors, so yeah. I don't know if the Celtic directors were there, or were they invited, or they ne- they never done it, or did they just decide to hide behind the cameras to appease their fans? I don't know. It's, you know they've, they've been there before, we've seen it, have, so yep. I don't know what that was about there. Derek, I think you can safely say it was the latter of, of your explanations there. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be the, you know, the, exactly what would happen. Gives that mob of fantasists across the other side of the city. It lets them say that it didn't happen and their uh, directors weren't there because there's no any photographic evidence or vi- video proof. But uh, I, I think I can guarantee that they were there. And that was the whole reason that it, it, it happened. So yeah. there, there wasn't even any mention of it either. But as you say, it's happened many, many times before that they have been there. So that's what I think has happened in that one. I wish, though, that they would stop getting Stuart Robertson to do the presentation thing of it because it just seems so awkward, I think. You yeah. know, get, get one of the club legends who know all about it to do it rather than, rather than Stuart Robertson, I think, yeah. the next time. But also as well, there was the minute silence for the Ibrox disaster. Now, it wasn't for the passing of the Pope Benedict either, so it was all to do with the minute silence for the, the Ibrox disaster. As usual, though, completely spoiled by the Celtic fans and the ref. It had to end it before the minute was up as well. Absolutely pathetic, as usual, from them. Yeah, Derek, we don't expect any less from them. Let's be perfectly honest. We knew that it would happen. I wasn't surprised in the slightest. No. But anyway, we started off the first half, you know, the first four minutes pretty positive. We had an early chance and 15 seconds gone when Ryan Kent had a shot from distance, but it was a comfortable dive and save for the keeper. And then really it all went to cock because in the fifth minute, Celtic made it 1 0. Lundstrom loses out in midfield, falls to Morelos, who passes it inwards, but right to Maeda, who had a heavy touch. Tavernier with a half-hearty challenge. They got the break of the ball and Maeda slots it past McGregor all round from Lundstrom to Morales <sighs> and, then the hit, and then the tackle. I'm not even going to call it a tackle by Tavernier. It was pathetic. I don't even think he intended to tackle Derek. I mean, as you say, right, right, right for the start, poor from Lundstrom, pretty half-hearted. Alfredo, I don't know what he was thinking. It was a complete blind pass that he was playing across his own halfway line. So picked up by Maeda straight away. And as you say, he never even had the ball under control. He took a heavy touch. It fell perfectly for Tavernier, who basically had three options. He either went for the ball and went right through Maeda, which would have probably been a yellow card or a free kick. Fair enough, you take it. He either, you know, tries to just clear the ball out into the stand, which would have been fine, or he did the worst out of all three, which was try to pass it kind of backwards to Goldson, made a complete arse of the back pass. It looked like a challenge, but it wasn't. It was a half-hearted back pass to Goldson, which never got anywhere near him. To be fair to Goldson, there's a lot of folk are slating Goldson for not put, put, putting in a challenge. I think it was just such a bad pass. He wasn't expecting it and, you know, that there's no way that he was catching it. I think even McGregor as well, Derek, it wasn't even a hard shot. It was a pass underneath. And if you watch it back, McGregor let the ball go underneath his hand as well, which I'm, I'm really quite shocked that, you know, because it, usually he, he would make a save like that. So it wasn't a, a, a thunderous shot. So, 
all round from Lundstrom to Alfredo to James Tavernier and then even McGregor at the end, as just a shocking goal to give away. And it was all our own fault, Derek. That is what is annoying about it. It wasn't them breaking us down with fantastic play. It was our mistake that led to their goal. It's been the same for the past season and a half, hasn't it, Dave? It's given silly goals away like that. If they just cut that out of their game, we would have been, yep. you know, quids in. Well, we'll get into that. But really from there, uh, Celtic were by far on top. But our defence, I would have said, were pretty good. But we're containing yes. them that way. Yes. It was a good defensive display. Yep. But the problem was that we were getting completely overrun in midfield. So as soon as we were clearing from, from defence... The midfield were losing it straight away and Celtic were regaining possession, getting back up the park and it just repeated like that. So defence was good, apart from the goal obviously, but from midfield to, to forward were absolutely non-existent and that's been a big problem all season. Now, something seemed to change on the 27th minute because from absolutely nothing, uh, Joe Hart had the ball, he was about to kick it out, Morelos closes him down he tries to kick it out, it rebounds off Morelis, the ball was going to the touchline, Morelis keeps it in, passes it out to Kamara, who squares it to Kent, who has a great shot, a stunning save from Hart, granted, hitting off the post, falls to Sakala, who shoots and deflects off the defender, then off the hand of Sakala. Clearly the best chance for us, and what a piece of pressure that was just there. It certainly was, Derek. I think the front three up until that point had offered absolutely nothing, Derek, apart from, as you say, that chance that Kent had in the first minute of the game. They had done nothing. They weren't coming back to support the midfield. We weren't finding them at all. There was, you know, T T Tillman, I think his name, get mentioned once in the whole, you know, up until that point. And there just seemed to be a change there. And it just seemed to be after that. There was, I don't know if it was a wee bit of belief. I don't know whether tactics got changed slightly. We were, you know, we, we played further forward. Because from then on, Derek, Rangers were by far the better team, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were certainly more dominant in midfield. We were retaining the possession. I mean, some of the passing during the first half, in the first half an hour, was absolutely abysmal, just passing yep. to absolutely no one. And then something just switched. We were passing more crisper. We were finding our men. You know, we were getting forward. 42nd minute, Morelis with a header over the bar from the corner. 44th minute, Morelis with a shot wide from just outside the box. Morelis again in the 47th minute, a header wide from the corner. He needs to be getting them on target. That's yeah. the, the big problem. Yep. Get them on target. Again, a story of the, the season. Yep. Into half time, though, full of belief. And saying that, though, there was a few players that could have came off at that point, but the, the, the gaffer never made any changes, which I was quite surprised at. And maybe justifiably, because in the 47th minute, Kent made it one each with an absolute stunner. It was a long ball from McGregor right to Sakala, who has a lovely control, gets it into the box, a lovely switch of field to Kent on the left side, who cuts it inside and hits a stunner into the top right corner. Great play from Sakala and the build-up as well. That cannot be uh, rated enough. It really was. I thought Sakala was, was brilliant, Derek. I texted you before the game to say that he was the player that I was really worried about and he absolutely tore them a new arsehole, didn't he? Doing that right wing. It was, it was outstanding. 
actually. He's, you know, his, his pace, his control, everything was excellent and it was just a great goal and it's the type of goal that Ryan Kent tries and tries and tries, attempts to do what he does, but he done it perfectly this time. He cuts back on his right foot, edge of the box, and an absolutely phenomenal curling shot past Hart. Tremendous goal. And, you know, Derek, we really did. The, from, like we said, in, in the first half in the 28th minute, it was as if I think that we'd figured them out. I don't know if that, you know, but the, the, the belief was there. And for us to get the equaliser so early on in the second half was fantastic. That was 1-1, Derek. And, you know, at that stage, it looked as if there was only going to be one winner, didn't it? Absolutely. 50th minute, Sakala with a shot in the box, but it was over the bar. And in those three words you love to hear on the 51st minute, penalty to Rangers, Sakala clearly taken out in the box. Yep. It was great play with a wee kind of Cruyff turn into the box. Starfield slid in Starfield, and yep. the, it kind of collided with the dragon foot of Sakala in the box. Sakala's foot did actually land on it, but because of the momentum it carried him through and he was clearly taken out. Yep. Rules are rules. That was a clearly a penalty, which we it will get clear- into. Derek, it was a clear penalty, end of. Do you know what I mean? He's, uh, there was nothing he, 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 he could have done. He, he went to go for, as you say, for, for like the drag back, and he couldn't do anything after that because his leg was so far back because, you know, the, the, the player had made connection with his foot to stop him doing anything. It was a clear penalty. Absolutely. Upsteps Tavernier in the 53rd minute and high into the left side, a superb penalty Great to make penalty, it 2-1. Great penalty, yes. Fantastic yep. penalty, yep. 58th minute, Tillman beaten on the right. Hatati fizzes one across our goal, but fortunately nobody picks up. This is one of the things that was frustrating of this game, as players were seeming to be getting out of position. I mean, Tillman was playing as a right-back there in the place of Tavernier. Why? Morelos seemed to be doing it as well several times. There was one point where I think I even text you, why is Morelos on the right-hand side? And it was Tavernier that was the centre-forward. Yeah. Why Why were they swapping positions like that? Did they make any sense? So that was a, a fortunate one there. There was a VAR check on the 64th minute for the ball hitting off the arm, hitting off the hand of Goldson. No penalty, correct decision, which we will get into. 71st minute, Lundstrom had picked up a wee knock in the ribs and he came off for Jack. 72nd minute, Morelis with a great pass to Sakala running into the box, gets into the box, gets on the ball, no support, cuts it back, hits a shot but blocked and cleared. And then a couple of substitutions here. 80th minute, Morelis off and right on. 83rd minute, Tillman in and goal on the left. Gets a shot off, but an outstanding block by the defender. And probably the biggest issue of the, the, the substitutions, 84th minute, Tillman off and Sands on. And in the 88th minute, Celtic made it two each. Ball past Tavernier on the left, past Demoy. Cuts inside at the touchline, tries to play the ball b- back across. Jack gets in the road twice. Rather than just try to hit it out or yep. hit it away mm-hmm. from goal, he keeps tries to put it into goal. Celtic get the break of the ball twice, right in the middle where there was two unmarked players and they shoot it into the back of the net. Abysmal defending once again. If it wasn't for Tavernier not just taking the player out on the edge of the box, taking the yellow card for it, it was Jack being absolutely lackadaisical tackling in the box as well. Why can't we just put a decent challenge in. That is one of the big issues. We just seemed so timid in our tackling. I was more annoyed with Jack than I was anything else, Derek. All it would have taken was the old-fashioned big hoof out of the box. Just get it away at all costs. But, you know, this dithering when the ball's there, especially when, you know, at that time of the game, 
you know, and he, he doesn't clear the ball and it ends up just falling straight to their player. They certainly didn't deserve it, Derek, but again, just lacklustre defending by us, stupid mistakes, and it's been our downfall in there where, you know, after playing so well, having so many chances to score, completely playing them, you know, they've got the equaliser there, and it's been another another uh, mistake by us. Yeah. All, all given to them, that's their two goals given to them. And if you look yep. at the stats at the end of the game, they only had two shots on target and that was yep. their two goals. Yep, exactly. So if we, if we never gave them the ball, I mean, it's not as if it was one mistake in that play. It was three or four mistakes in that passage of play, giving yep. them the ball in each three or four mistakes. That yep. is the fucking so frustrating thing about it. We've had several opportunities to clear the ball and we didn't. And we've yep. just given them the game. Yeah. I mean, it was seven minutes injury time and they never really done anything with it. No. We had a couple of chances and that was really about it. So really from what was a, a victory, we we threw it away ultimately and it felt more like a defeat than a draw. But at the same time, I think most of us would have bit your arm off for a draw. I mean, I know it benefits Celtic more. The gap's still nine points. But I think we were all expecting an absolute hiding. And the fact uh, that we were a couple yeah. of minutes away from a victory and we basically gifted them their goals, I've, I'm more than happy with that result, I suppose. The, I said it in the post-match, Derek, I had been dreading the game all week. I genuinely thought we were going to get beat. I thought we had been papering over the cracks with some of the performances recently, but I was pleasantly surprised by the way that we played, especially in the second half. I had this thought the whole game that, you know, the players... Michael Beale's got to take the blame for the substitutions, Derek. And I'm going to say what every other Rangers fan on the planet said. Why the hell was Scott Arfield not introduced when we were 2-1 up to try and kill the game off? I honestly don't know. People saying, oh, well, Celtic went all-out attack. Of course they did. They were getting beat 2-1. You know, they, they, they weren't going to go defensively. But why was Arfield brought on? I think, again, when you look at the substitutions that he made, perhaps Lundstrom getting injured when he did maybe change things and he had to bring Jack on at that stage rather than later on when he brought Sands on. But it still doesn't answer the question as to why Arfield wasn't brought on because I think going by what had happened at the Aberdeen game, I know the fans would have, you know, the, 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 would have been well up for it. He'd have been well up for it. And I genuinely could have seen him scoring in that game, Derek, and it never happened. So poor decisions by the manager. He's got to take blame for that. But in saying that, Derek, I get this feeling that he basically had figured Celtic out which no other teams seem to have done so far this season. I think with the way that he set the team out in the second half, we basically were by far the, the better team. We outplayed them, which is very positive because no other team's been able to do that against them this season. They couldn't really do anything to us. And it was, again, down to our mistakes that you know got them anything from the game. So I'm trying to stay positive, Derek. And like you, if you'd asked me at the start of the week, would you take a 2-2 draw? I would have said, well, you know, obviously I want to win, but going by the way I'm feeling, I'll take it. So I am trying to stay positive, Derek. I'm hoping that we can bring some quality additions in this transfer window because we certainly need them. The, the strength of the team 
especially on the bench, when you look at the players that they brought on, the players that we brought on, you know, that just that shows you, you know, how far away that we are when it comes to, you know, the depth of squad. So I am trying to stay positive here, Derek. I know we're still nine behind, but I'm hoping that this is the sign of things to come with Bill and he has got the game plans and he has got the tactics that we can see off Celtic and see off other d- difficult opponents as well. Yeah. You know, we've not we've not been able to do that before. I, th- I mean, I think ultimately the substitutions. I can understand why he went defensive. I don't, I don't like us when we go defensive. But as you said, Celtic were pushing the boat out. They had four strikers on at the end of the day. I think it was arguably the correct decision, but the wrong personnel. And I don't think Sands would have played that game. I mean, I know he, he never gave away the goal, but there was another point where it's been well highlighted where he, he was going forward in the Celtic, near the Celtic box, and he turned away and he ended up losing possession, which was diabolical. I think it's more to do with personnel than it was the actual tactics there. I mean, do you think Sands would have been on if John Souter was there? He could have played further back. No, I don't think he would have been. I think... What we've seen so far in these five games is that I'm not worried about Michael Beale. I think he's going to turn good. I think now it's about personnel. And I think it's about getting rid of some dead wood and strengthening when we're in the places we need to. We're in bad need of our, of our midfield now. I think the Morelos issue is is worrying. I think he's dead in his arse now. I think he's, his arse is out in the window. I think... From the interviews, it seems as if he wants Kent to stay. Kent has been certainly much improved because he's got this free role as well. So we'll we'll just need to wait and see over the transfer window what happens. It's not going to be fixed this one window, certainly not. I think we need to use the rest of the season as a stepping stone and a building blocks and just keep the, the gap respectable and just hope that Celtic... Well, ultimately, we need a snooker now, don't we, to claw back the league. So we'll wait and see. Just of, of note, though, with with the way Celtic and their seeming their last-minute goals that seem to be happening this season, Celtic have gained 11 points from goals scored in the 84th minute onwards this season so far. That's five wins and a draw. So that's basically from drawing positions, they've scored goals in the 84th minute onwards to get five wins and one draw, which is obviously that game. Contrast that with us. We've gained five points from goals in the 84th minute onwards, but we've also dropped four. And yeah. two of them were at that Celtic game there. So that just shows you, I mean, you could argue it's a bit of luck. We did laugh at it when he came in and said, we, we stop at the full-time whistle. That's what they do. I think it's a bit of luck. I think it's a bit of them not stopping. And I think it's a bit of naivety from the opposition teams as well. And I'll include us in that one. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking at the actual game, Derek, defensively, I think it's probably one of the most, uh, I'll not say comfortable, but it's probably the the best that our defence, you know, certainly in the centre has looked. I thought Davies had a very quiet game, but I think that's a good thing when you're not hearing his name and you're not hearing the opposition forwards' names a lot, it means that the defenders are, are playing well. So I, th- I hope now that, that Davies and Golson now go on to form a very strong partnership. That's certainly the best. I think that, that, that they've looked, Derek, and that against 
Celtic who have been scoring goals for fun recently. I think they should be taking that as a major positive, and you know, as 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 we go forward, I will certainly be looking forward now, Derek, to when we're going to be playing them next, whether it's going to be in a cup game or in the league game as well. The next time we play them at Parkhead, just to see what happens here, because I genuinely do think after watching that that. I think the Beals maybe uh, cracked on to the way they play and, you know, has maybe got the answer to, you know, stopping them and, and hopefully we can go on and, and actually get a, a, a couple of really good uh, performances against them. As I say, whether that's going to be in the Cup or, or the League, I don't know. But uh, I'm certainly a, a lot more positive on that side of things anyway. Yeah, but regardless of what happens in the results, Dave, they're always going to be cheated whatever time we play them, aren't they? Derek, there is an old saying that I got told about years and years ago by a good Rangers man that's no longer with us that I worked with a long time ago. And he said to me, Celtic always cheated, never defeated. And he, he said that to me a long, long time ago, Derek. And there has never been a truer thing said about that mob because it is instilled on them from grandfather to father, from father to son, right the way down that Celtic are never, ever beaten fair and square. There is always a conspiracy. There's always, you know, cheating going on against them. And I'm sure as you're about to get into here, it's gone into overdrive once again. Yep. I mean, they're poor winners, they're bitter losers, and they can't even draw without manufacturing some sort of controversy. The usual shite after the match with their usual cheerleaders in the media claiming that Celtic should have had a penalty for Goldson's apparent handball and Sakala's was never a penalty. I mean, why is it every time Celtic get a decision against them, it's always those Masonic cheating referees? Derek. And when they get a penalty given against them, it was never a penalty, and it's always Derek. blatant cheating. The, the the instant that you're going to be going on and talking about, I'm sure, the handball against Goldson, I watched the game on Sky Sports and all I can tell you was the absolutely pathetic way that Andy Walker was screaming for the fact that it was that he was saying it was a handball, screaming for the fact that he was, you know, thought it was a penalty, screaming for VAR to be checked. It was the most unprofessional thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't know if you witnessed it or not, or if you heard them. It was absolutely pathetic for a guy who is getting paid to commentate on a game of football for. I mean, we always go on about how biased Andy Walker was. This was by far the worst I've ever seen Andy Walker. I've heard him come away with some classics before where you've thought, how on earth is he getting to commentate this game? But he was practically crying, Derek, when that decision didn't go Celtic's way. It was it was incredible. And as you say, this is what, what we're up against with the media and the people that, that, that are in the media, isn't it? It's just absolutely pathetic, as you said, ingrained in them at a young age and carried on through the generations. I mean, the Goldson handball wasn't even a handball. It was a, a, it basically barely skiffed his hand and went over the bar. And it was basically from a close-range shot. The ball never changed direction. And the ball, the, the ball was going to his face, and it's a natural reaction. So the IFAB rules, you know, say that that wasn't a, a free kick. Uh, that wasn't a handball. You know, they're even wanting the rules bent, bent for them as well. And the Sakala penalty, it was a clear penalty as yep. well because it was the dragon leg. Even though that Sakala did put his foot down on the Celtic player, player's sliding in foot, it was taken away from him. 
So it was that trailing leg that, that got him. So it was a clear penalty. Nobody was arguing about that apart from Celtic and their cheerleaders and their fans. I mean, the shite we've got on online tonight as well. As well, <laughs> they just want to disregard stuff. You know, they, they were talking about the VAR, the fact that it was Willie Collum doing the VAR as well, and. You know, oh, it's, it's it's well seen that now that he's then made a decision for you that you think he's a good one. And then Trail obviously done a search through our Twitter to see that we'd been against Willie Collum. It's like, well, can a referee not actually get a decision right sometimes, even though he's a shit referee and he just makes stuff up half the time? See if he's followed the rules on, on this rare occasion. Can he not actually be right? It's they're, they're honestly unbelievable. And by the way, that's the first penalty we have had in a, in, a, in the league against Celtic in over 10 years. Yeah, I know. I know, Derek. But, you know, why why let these facts get in front of a good conspiracy theory? Do you know what I mean? It's it's quite incredible. The uh, the, the the person who, you know, the, they've all obviously been jumping on the bandwagon. I've been quite actually quite, quite surprised, Derek, that you've been uh, you've been keeping the bait going with them, especially on, on Twitter, because that's not usually your style. But the fact that they are obsessed enough to go and troll through tweets of ours from over five years ago where we have criticised Willie Collum, and trust me, Derek, I've criticised him a hell of a lot more than what you have over the years, trust me. It's just it shows their obsession goes no bounds. It's it's quite incredible. Uh, you know, not surprising, I would like to say, I'm not going to get into the the, the ifs or the or, or the buts with the actual the, the the rules of the game, Derek. It's been laid out there for everybody to see. They were both correct decisions. End the story. But as you say, because it didn't go in their favour, there's a conspiracy. But things will never change. And as I say, I will always think back to the the, the words of the guy that that I worked with years and years ago. His name was Jim, and he was as blue nose as you can get, and it was him that, that, that came away with the words, and he had been witnessing that for many, many years as well. They're always the victims, they're always the ones that are hard done by, and it's now ingrained right the way through them. I don't expect anything, anything less from them, I really don't. But this is the thing, now that Celtic are looking to go to the SFA to raise their concerns over VAR, because they've had uh, an allegedly multiple decisions go against them. <laughs> I mean, as I put on Twitter tonight, this was always going to happen with them. The narrative is now that VAR is against them. It's yeah. and, and we said that this is it was going to go from those hun referees to that hun VAR. That's Derek. all that was going to happen. I mean, the actual case now is that Celtic are now finding out that, that it's a level playing field. Decisions that were wrongly getting going for them prior to VAR exactly. are now not going for them because they've actually got a, a way to check how shite the referees are. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Derek, but before the game even took place, they were putting up pictures and posters of VAR, and it was a picture uh, of a, a silhouette, a man with an orange sash on. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's, it's, you know, it was. This was before the game was even played. The pressure that they try to put on referees before a game, and it's through the media that does it. I mean, you, you, you can forget all these yahoos that, that you see on Twitter coming up with all their pish, because it is just pish. But when it's coming out in, in the media, Derek, every, you know, right in, in the build-up, we hope there's not going to be an incident that spoils the game because the referees says Chris Sutton or says John Hartson or says can you whatever ex-Celtic player that, that they can dig up 
it, it happens every single game, Derek, and they're nine points clear at the top of the table. This is it's absolutely incredible, and it's just it just it's actually. I'm going to say it's, it's getting worse, but it's not because I've been witnessing this for so many years. For fuck's sake, just give us a break. As you say, the amount of things that have gone against us that have went in their favour over the years has been incredible. And now maybe, hopefully, but you know, it's going to be, you know, the, the, these decisions are going to be getting looked at and it's going to be given correctly like it was done in the game there. End of. Yes. So we'll move on from that now because I'm <laughs> fed up talking about those idiots. Anyway, we've played 21-14, drawn 4, lost 2, scored 46, conceded 20, goal difference plus 26, and we're on 46 points. As you said, we're 9 behind Celtic, but we've got a 20 worse goal difference than them, and we're 15 ahead of Hearts. So obviously, looking need a snooker now against Celtic. Yeah. Games to come, Sunday the 8th of January away against Dundee United in the Premiership, that's a 1600 kickoff. Sunday the 15th of January, that's at Hamden against Aberdeen in the League Cup semi-final, that's a 1500 kickoff. Watch for Aberdeen. Bear in mind, Aberdeen I don't think have won a game since they uh, played against us, since they lost that game. Um, they've just went in free fall after that you know so well seen that they will probably raise their game for that game oh, anyway 100% yep yes Wednesday the 18th of January away against Kelly that's in the Premiership that's our 8pm 8, 8 kickoff. Saturday the 21st of January away against St Johnston in the Scottish Cup round 4 17.30 kickoff. apparently their fans are boycotting because of the, the high ticket prices that just means more Rangers fans will be in the stadium which they yep. didn't want in the first place and to round off round off January fixtures again we are playing against St Johnson this time Saturday the 28th of January at home in the Premiership that's a 1500 kickoff. so lots of important games as usual yeah certainly is Derek yes so we'll move on now to the news So, as ever, lots of bits and pieces to cover in the news. Firstly, Dave, it was so long ago, it was a month ago, it was the AGM that was on the 6th of December at the Armadillo. Actually fairly tame, considering what had, what the, all the issues we've been having. I think the fact that Michael Beale was appointed not long before probably took the sting out of it for the board. Some truths were said by the board about the European finances, and, and we were also told but by the time it was all said and done, there wasn't as much income as some people claimed. Certainly there was banded about like the £100 million and all that crap, nowhere near that. All the resolutions were passed, Club 1872 and Dave King did vote against Dave Park getting back in and another resolution about issuing of shares, but it made no, no difference whatsoever. It was a token thing. Questions, again, were a bit farcical. One question was about the COVID passport and how the fact that fans were left outside like dogs and why the club never uh, backed the fans on this one. I mean, there were groans from around the room, quite rightly, and the next question was asked for by the, the, the panel, so not given any any airtime that at all, but... Yep. You know, you're, you're given once a year chance to ask the board <sighs> questions and you ask something stupid like that. Why? Derek, Derek, there was a few questions that got asked, which it was the golden opportunity to ask some real pressing questions. I think that we were all wanting asked at this thing and it was failed yet again. It happens at every single AGM, doesn't it? You're, we're hoping and praying that there are people out there with, you know, questions that, you know, the vast majority of fans are wanting to hear. It doesn't work out like that. I mean, I'm sure that there was another guy that was talking about personal problems he was having, trying to get 
tickets for him and his daughter for Hamden and stuff like that. You're like, you know, I realise that that's important to him, but in an AGM, really, there's a lot more pressing questions that need, need to be asked, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, as he was, I think Stuart Robertson kind of directed him to like the the the, the SLO or, or the, the yeah. customer service at all that, and you know the bonnet got a, a wee question in as well, which is quite funny because I was my season ticket was just down for him as well. So, but uh, aye, just a, a bit annoying there. The yes. big thing though that, that did come from the AGM though was the plan for disabled access, which will increase the number of accessibility seats. It will put them under cover as well, and it'll actually increase the number of overall seats for the stadium as well all but the main stand is getting adapted between the top and bottom tiers so the mid kind of section there there's 1073 seats will be lost to do this however there is a plan to add effectively an overhang landing between the tiers which will add another 1800 seats so another 700 odd capacity added to the stadium the now there was no close-up 3d pictures of how exactly it'll look so the aesthetic of inside the ground will certainly change uh, which I like the, the the way the stadium is just now. It looks absolutely cracking, but it is badly needed for the club of our stature. The, the, it's something that has been drastically pathetic for a number of years, the accessibility seating. It's, it is generally pathetic, and it's a really poor show that it's taken this long to get it sorted out. Work is due to begin in the closed season of the summer, pending the funding as well. So certainly... The stadium's going to be adapted again, so I'll increase yep. the capacity. Hopefully, it'll look good as well. Yeah, definitely, Derek. Yep. One thing that we never mentioned in the games is that Steve Davis is out for the rest of the season with yeah. an ACL injury. So he just turned 38 there uh, a couple of days ago. Out of contract at the end of the season, I believe, as well. Can't see him staying around another year. I know that Michael Beals kind of mentioned, you know, there's maybe something there, but it's a real sad end to his career if that's the case. Derek, devastated for him because I'm sure this would have been his last season. He would have wanted to go out on a high and actually play in his, his final game. And uh, it's absolutely heartbreaking for him. What a servant he's been to the club. He'll go, go down. He's, you know, he's already a legend with the club, with the fans. That'll not change. But just really, really sorry for the guy that he's, you know, it's, it's, it's gone like this because, like you, I don't see him being back and a Rangers shirt again, so really, real, real pity for him. Absolutely. Next thing about injuries here is adding to my further suspicion that Gio and his team were completely lying to us when it came to injuries. Beal has revealed that the hamstring injury to Yilmaz was as bad as it could be. At the time he said that, it was a couple of weeks ago. It takes round about 12 weeks to heal and he was about 7 weeks into it. So round about 10 weeks he's into it now. So, you know, why couldn't Gio and his team have just said, yeah, he's got a bad hamstring injury, he'll be out for a number of months now? Yeah, it's, it was the same way for a, a, a few other players, Derek. And again, a pity because he was just coming on to a game for us, wasn't he? It? it was just starting to show what it was that attracted us to, to pay that amount of money for him. He was starting to get completely match fit. And then that's happened. Just another disaster injury-wise for us this season, hasn't it? Yep. Next thing here is liquidators of Old Co BDO have finally arrived at a settlement figure of £56 million owed to HMRC. They will only get around £8 million due to, I think it's they're paying about 7.4 pence in the pound. Incredible, yep. Um, they were initially claiming £94 million. So 
47 million of that 94 million was for EBTs. 10 million pound of that was for the wee tax case, which Craig White caused. So presumably the remaining 37 million pound was for fines, which is absolutely scandalous. You know, I mean, the leaks and unwillingness to accept David Murray's settlement offer like Arsenal did apart. I've always said that there's something not right with the amount of money that the HMRC were claiming. To me, it should have been the tax owed on the EBTs rather than the amount used in EBTs. But I'm not a finance guru, so who the fuck knows? HMRC, there's been clearly a lot of issues there. The fact that they're going to only get about £8 million, I'm not even sure that covers the money that they spend on all the cases with us. It wouldn't have been, and it's quite incredible, Derek, that if if, if that is all that they're going to end up with, that could have been paid easily. That could have been dealt with easily, as you say, if there had been a willingness there to go with the arrangement that was put in front of them, we wouldn't have had to go this far at all. So it's absolutely infuriating, you know, when we sit and we listen back to this. I know it was a long time ago now, but it really did play a huge part in all all, all our lives, and this is what's whittled down to in the end. Quite incredible. Yes. On better news, though, that the women's team won the SWPL Cup final with a 2-1 win over Hibs at Tynecastle, and it was on Sky Sports, so brilliant for the women's team there. Fantastic and great coverage as well by Sky as well. That raises the, you know, the the, the awareness for the, the the women's game, especially for, for Rangers. Uh, you know, we're all watching it and uh, an excellent result. And uh, you know, here's hoping that that's you know many many more to come for them. They, they seem to have an absolutely fantastic team, Derek. So absolutely delighted for them. Yes. Good news again, Leon King signs an extension until summer 2026, so good news that. And Yanis Hadji has signed an extension as well. It didn't say w- until when, though, which was a bit weird. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's going to be another Legends friendly at Ibrox, this time on the 26th of March this year. Rangers Legends versus World Legends, which is I think happened last year as well. Robin Van Persie, finally, you know, we'll be at Ibrox. Bookies <laughs> can suspend betting again. Robbie Fowler, Japstam, Joe Cole, Michael Essien uh, for the World Team, Barry Ferguson, Jermaine Defoe, Sasa Papich, Chris Boyd and Michael Moles so far all announced. So I'm sure there'll be a hell of a lot more players to be announced there. Yeah, good stuff. Yep. And the last piece of football news here is I've got here, sadly having to go back to Celtic, but it's just the way I've written it here, and a long list of their pathetic victimhood mentality. John Hartson, then followed by others of his ilk, had a go at Beale for referring to Celtic as the other team. I mean, if you've read the interview, you've listened to the interview, it was said in a particular context, which everyone but them understood. It's quite unreal, their stance on this, considering that Celtic go out their way not to refer to us as Rangers or even acknowledge the old firm. So. I know, Derek, I know. P- pathetic. Again, this is the second time that John Hartson's been mentioned in this pod. We all know what, what he's like. We all know what the media are like for, for, for st- stirring it up. Not surprised in the slightest. There was no malice intended. And see if there was malice intended, Derek. Good. You know what I mean? But but there wasn't. That's all all, all I can say. They get away with it all all the time. Why shouldn't we? But in that context, there certainly wasn't any intended. Yes. So, 
Hospital evacuated after 88-year-old man arrives with a World War One yes. bomb lodged in his right Yes, I knew you were going to be covering this one, Derek. I knew it. I saw it, and I thought, this is right up Derek's street, this one. So it was quite incredible. When you go... It was right up this man's arse. Never mind <laughs> exactly, it was right up his alley. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors were left shell-shocked after a man arrived in hospital with a World War One bomb stuck in his rectum. <laughs> The incident sparked a bomb scare and led to a hospital in France being partially evacuated after the 88-year-old man <laughs> came in for help. An emergency occurred on 9pm to 11.30pm on Saturday evening that required an intervention of the bomb disposal personnel, <laughs> the evacuation of adult and paediatric emergencies oh. as well as the diversion of incoming emergencies, a spokesman said. When bomb disposal experts arrived at the hospital, after examining the man, they determined that it was unlikely that artery shell, which was eight <laughs> inches long and more than two inches wide, would explode <laughs> inside the man. Oh, dear, dear. I think with him trying to put the air, he was trying to explode, never mind the bomb trying to explode. Derek, this is absolutely incredible. Like I say, I saw this article as well, and I sent it to you, and not surprising to me, you had already spotted it in there. Absolutely mental. They reassured us by telling us that it was a collector's item from the First World War used by the <laughs> French military. We had to manage the risk in a reactive framework. When in doubt, we took all precautions. Once they had the all clear from bomb experts, doctors began to try and remove the unusual object from the man's rear, which they believed he inserted for sexual pleasure. Derek, do you think he was a rear turret gunner? No. <laughs> Derek, just going by the bizarreness of that the whole thing, it's the most mental of the stories I think that you've ever done. If you think about the everything that would have had to have happened when he went into that hospital evacuating, getting bomb disposal folks, setting up the perimeters and, you know, blast zones and everything like that because this old boy, this old pervert came in with a, bombing, uh, a cartridge stuck up his backside. <laughs> Quite incredible. One doctor reportedly remarking, an apple, a mango, or even a can of shaving foam. We're used to finding unusual objects inserted where they shouldn't be, but a shell, never. Others took to social media were also in disbelief. I've heard of troops bringing in the rear, but this is too far. <laughs> Another one said, he could have just used suppositories. Others couldn't help making light of the situation, with one user writing, guess he wanted to go out with a bang. <laughs> He was one fart away from redefining what explosive <laughs> diarrhoea was. Absolutely bizarre. They actually had to take him into surgery and they had to cut open his abdomen to oh, remove the oh object. Oh my God. It doesn't bear think of it, really, doesn't it? No. On that <laughs> note. On that note. We will end the podcast. Bizarre story, so, as ever, you if you want to go and check us out, you can go to our website, which is never updated. It probably never will be at this point, which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. You can go to all the usual podcast outlets, as well as social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So, Dave, it's been good results, iffy performances, but we are still riddled with injuries and illnesses yeah. now as well, with the flu bug going about as well. You know... As we soon start to trickle, get players trickling back, get back to fitness, I would like to think the performance has improved. We just need to keep going at this point. You know, you never know what might happen. I think the league might be slightly too far in front. We need a snooker for Celtic, but I think we've proven in that last game there that 
give Celtic a game. They're just an ordinary team. Definitely, Derek, 100%. I hope by the time we do the next pod, which should only be about a week away, that we have one, if not two, new signings that are going to make a difference to the squad. I don't want squad players brought in at this point, Derek. I want guys that are actually going to come in and be first-team players. Uh, That's what I'm hoping for, as you say, with the addition of them, getting some injured players back, hopefully it's going to, because again, it's all about the strength of our squad at this moment in time. Uh, I am a lot more confident about Michael Beale being in charge after that last game and actually seeing some progression. So I will uh, we'll just uh, keep our fingers crossed, Derek, and uh, hope that uh, you know we continue to grow and continue to improve. That's, that's, that's all we can hope at this stage. Absolutely. So thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.